What is going on, everybody? You are now listening to the Slaw Sports Show, and I'm your host, Cole Noble, a.k.a. Slaw, and this is your place for the uh, weekly news and sports ranging from the MLB, uh, NBA, and NFL. So let's go ahead and get started. Um, We are now in prime time for sports, and as a sports fan, this is my favorite time of the year. We got all the big games going on. Uh, World Series is starting, the NBA season has officially started, and the NFL is halfway through their regular season. So this is the best time to be a sports fan, in my opinion. But uh, we're going to start this week um, with the MLB. And before we get to the World Series, obviously, like I said, it's the biggest thing going on in baseball right now. Let's go ahead and start first with um, some of the biggest news from the past week, and especially a lot of managers being signed by teams. Um, But to begin with, uh, Mike Trout and Christian Yelich are the 2019 Hank Aaron Award winners. Um, That's big news for both of those players, tremendous athletes and players for their organizations, and two guys that are most likely going to end up being finalists for um, the MVP award as well. Uh, The Red Sox have hired Cham Blom. Um, as their new head of baseball operations, taking uh, Dave Dombrowski's uh, position, a move um, getting rid of Dombrowski we talked about a couple weeks um, prior um, on our show. Uh, Some other big news, Juan Soto and Mike Trout, again, um, are among the first-time Gold Glove finalists. So big news for Juan Soto and Mike Trout, and we have a lot of other uh, Gold Glove finalists um, as well. But Juan Soto and Mike Trout are among um, are both uh, first-time finalists for that award. So Mike Trout already being named um, for two awards, and like I said, we'll probably see him going on and getting uh, the MVP as well. Um, some other big news: Yankees outfielder Aaron Hicks will be going undergoing Tommy John surgery after the Yankees were bounced out out of the playoffs, and then Masahiro Tanaka, the starting pitcher for the Yankees will also be going undergoing surgery to remove bone spurs in his elbow. So that's big news for the Yankees, um, but it's coming at the perfect time right now uh, at the end of their season, and hopefully they can get these guys back and healthy to go for next year. And then for some more new manager news, uh, the Chicago Cubs have hired David Ross as their new manager, signing him to a three-year deal. The San Diego Padres get Joyce... Um, Hinger as their new manager, and then the Philadelphia Phillies got former uh, Yankees general manager Joe Girardi. Um, he's now joining Philadelphia, uh, leaving the booth, and that's a big move for the Phillies. Joe Girardi is probably one of the greatest minds in baseball, so that is a big move for the Phillies. I really agree with that decision right there. I was really wondering if somebody would pull the trigger on Girardi this year, uh, getting, bringing him back as a manager, and the Phillies are the team to get it done. So now let's move forward and talk about the World Series. And this series has been absolutely amazing so far. It's been back and forth, and I am absolutely loving it. Um, Game one started in uh, Houston, and Juan Soto and the Nationals got the best of Garrett Cole, winning game one 5-4. Juan Soto went 3-for-4 with three RBIs and one home run, absolutely dominant on offense. And Garrett Cole, who has been, uh, this year has been one of the most dominant pitchers in the game, and especially so far in the playoffs, uh, he ended up giving up eight, um, eight hits and five runs, I think, on the night. 
So they finally bested Garrett Cole, and that was a huge win for the Nationals in, in Game 1 at Houston. And then now we move over to Game 2, and the Nationals again beat uh, the Astros in Houston, this time 12-3. to And Steven Strasburg, the pitcher for the Nationals in Game 2, was absolutely dominant, pitching for six innings and gaining seven strikeouts. And then um, even though the Astros lost, they made a little bit of history in that game. Uh, their starting pitcher, Justin Verlander, recorded um, the most career postseason strikeouts now in his career. So that's big news for um, Verlander. But some other uh, big news we saw from Verlander was his blooper reel play, where he laid out for a ball um, off the mound, fielded it, and tried to throw the guy out at first and threw the ball into his own leg. So uh, we saw a lot of, um, sorry, we saw a lot of funny videos and memes get made about that play by uh, Justin Verlander uh, hitting himself in the leg after laying out for a ball. Um, so game two, Nationals won that one as well, and now we move over to Washington for the series. The Nationals up two games on the series. Uh, but this game, in game three, the Nats, like I said, go up 2-0 in the series. But uh, this game, they're lackadaisical. The Astros came in and got much a much-needed 4-1 to victory and brought the series up to 2-1. And tonight, we're going to see what they can do um, down 1. Or Sorry, I meant down 1-2. We're going to see if the Astros can um, tie this series up right here. But I'm pretty sure since the 1960s, we haven't seen a team in the World Series come back from 0-2 and actually win the series. So we might be seeing history if the Astros can get another win tonight and then another win in Washington and move over and have a 3-2 lead back in Houston. That would be huge for the Astros, and I think they could probably pull it off. But Game 3, Jose Altuve came up big for the Astros. He scored two of their four runs. And then the Astros' bullpen in the seventh came in and were able to contain the Washington Nationals' offense, who has been actually pretty good so far this year, uh, something I didn't really think was going to happen in the World Series. I thought the Astros' pitching would get the best of them, but they've definitely shown up and started playing ball, and we're really excited to see that. But like I said, this has been a great series. I'm excited to watch the game tonight and see how it plays out going forward into next week. Um, that's pretty much going to do it for MLB. We're going to switch over now and talk about the NBA. And I'm so excited the NBA season has finally started. This might be one of my favorite seasons I'll ever watch a basketball. And I think that I've ever seen in basketball in my entire life. Um, all these dynamic duos are just making the league so interesting this year. And uh, getting the season officially started has just been um, a dream come true, seeing all these teams play and these uh, players battle it out. But, of course, starting out with some news. Uh, with the new season starting, that means Vince Carter is the first player in NBA history to appear in 22 seasons. The ageless wonder for the Atlanta Hawks checked in the first game and got a standing ovation as he entered the court. Um, so that's big for Vince Carter and the league. Uh, the Toronto Raptors unveiled their championship banner and rings after winning the NBA championship earlier this year. They were able to unveil that in front of their home crowd in all of Canada, and that was big uh, for the Raptors organization, being able to get a ring and banner put up this year. And then some news. 
Um, Michael Jordan says that Steph Curry is not a Hall of Famer. Uh, that's obviously the biggest headline from the past week. I think this is interesting because Steph, uh, Steph Curry, when he retires, might be one of the best point guards we've ever seen in basketball. And for Michael Jordan to say that he's not a Hall of Famer, in my opinion, Steph Curry is a first ballot Hall of Famer. I don't know um, how somebody as intellectually minded as at basketball like Michael Jordan can look at Steph Curry and not think Hall of Famer. Um, maybe it's contract liabilities with the Hornets organization that made him say those, but um, if that's the case, I don't know why he'd say something to begin with, but I think that's just foolishness by Michael Jordan. Seth Curry is definitely a Hall of Famer. Uh, Zion Williamson, the rookie sensation for the New Orleans Pelicans and the first, round, or first overall pick. We're going to have to wait a while to see him. He was out six to eight weeks with a torn meniscus, and then their first game uh, of the year in New Orleans, he was seen on crutches. So not good for Zion, but you got to think that's what 280 pounds of freak athlete landing on every single jump he makes. Not good on his knees at all. And then we saw him have uh, trouble last year with his ankles as well. So really going to monitor Zion Williamson throughout his rookie year. But he's still a favorite for rookie of the year when he comes back um, in six to eight weeks. And then we have some contract extensions. Um, again, we talked about this a little last week, but we have some more this week. Uh, Jalen Brown signs a four-year, $115 million extension with the Boston Celtics. We talked about that deal nearing up uh, last week, but now it's officially done, and Jalen Brown is locked up for quite a while now with Boston. Um, some, an extension we won't be seeing this week, however, is DeMar DeRozan and the San Antonio Spurs. Um, from what I've heard, they're far apart in their extension talks, and it's going to be quite a while before we see a deal get done with DeMar DeRozan and if he can stay with San Antonio after being traded from Toronto last season. Um, that's going to do it for our news for the NBA. And before we start talking about some of the big games, we're going to take a quick little break, but don't worry, we'll be right back and start um, going into detail about some of these games we've seen uh, to start the season this week. All right, and welcome back, everybody. Again, this is the Slaw Sports Show, and I'm your host, Cole Noble, a.k.a. Slaw. So now let's start un unraveling some of these NBA games we've seen to start the season this past week. And to begin with, we're going to begin with Tuesday, which was the first game or the first um, day of NBA of the NBA season this year. Sorry. And um, to kick things off, we had the Battle of LA Part One between the Los Angeles Clippers and the Los Angeles Lakers, which might um, end up being one of the greatest rivalries we've seen in basketball. And it's definitely going to be one of my favorite rivalries to watch unfold this season and maybe into the playoffs this year out of the West. But the Clippers got the job done um, in the battle or in the first battle between these two teams, winning 111 to 102. Um, Kawhi Leonard got 30 points in the, his first game for LA, and um, in the second game we saw Toronto getting a win and Pascal Siakam living up to his contract extension that we discussed last week, getting 34 points and 18 rebounds, and Toronto's 130 to 122 win in overtime. So that was the only games we saw on Tuesday. Moving over now to Wednesday, this was the game we saw the debut of Kyrie Irving for the Brooklyn Nets, and he lost his first game. Actually, this was against the Minnesota Timberwolves. They were able to get, this, um, get the game done, in overtime, 
but Kyrie still dropped 50 points um, in that game. One of the first players on a new team to drop 50 points in his debut. So that's big for Kyrie. Uh, the future of Brooklyn, I think, rests in his hands. And if he's playing at that caliber of play, I think they'll be just fine. He did, um, however, miss the game-winning shot late in the game as time expired, uh, which would have been the game-winning buzzer beater. So that was unfortunate for Kyrie on Wednesday. And then the other game we saw was the Dallas Mavericks showing off Kristaps Porzingis and Luka Donick as one of our dynamic duos. They shine in their first game together, beating the Washington Wizards 108-100. to uh, So big game for Dallas and showing off their new dynamic duo. And then for the Philadelphia 76ers, played on Wednesday, and Embiid, Simmons, and company thumped the Boston Celtics. And they might end up being the best team in the East. Uh, maybe. Um, I think they're all, all around one of the most, uh, all around one of the best starting lineups coming out of the East. Um, Lineup-wise, probably I'd say Boston Celtics are close to them, but thumping them, I know it's way early in the season, but it's looking good right now for Philadelphia, and they're able to still get it done despite losing Jimmy Butler in the offseason. Thursday, we saw the first game of the reigning MVP, Giannis Atatokounmpo, and he ruins James Harden and Russell Westbrook's reunion um, in Houston, um, or for Houston, um, Milwaukee ended up winning 117 to 111, and Giannis Antetokounmpo ended up getting a triple double with 30 points, 13 rebounds, and 11 assists. So he's continuing to play at MVP level, which might end up being scary um, coming up on Halloween. Just use a couple Halloween terms, but it's going to be scary, I would say, for the rest of the league if Giannis can continue to play at an MVP level. Uh, another game we saw on Thursday was the Golden State Warriors playing their first game in the Chase Center, but it was spoiled by Kawhi Leonard in their second game um, for the L.A. Clippers, came into town in the new Chase Center and absolutely stumped Golden State, winning 141-122. to And the Clippers are the new Warriors. They're the new super team, I think, in the league, doing all this without Paul George, one of the best players in the league, when he comes back and forms one of those other dynamic duos, they will run rampant on the league like we saw the Warriors do in the past couple of years. And then Friday, some of the key games we saw, Boston bounces back against Toronto, winning 112-106. to uh, Kyrie Irving and the Brooklyn Nets record their first win um, against the rival New York Knicks. Uh, key rivalry I see brewing since the Knicks were one of the teams um, desperately trying to get uh, Kyrie in the offseason and then he signs with the rival team in New York uh, they got their first win in that game and then Luka Donick uh, for the Dallas Mavericks in their second game got his ninth career triple double in his young career and they ended up winning 123 to 116 against the New Orleans Pelicans and then LeBron James and the LA Lakers uh, behind bronze 32 points get their first win of the season on Friday. So big news for LeBron James, and we're hoping to see a little bit more from him and Anthony Davis going forward into this season. But again, the season is just now starting, so hopefully we'll see a lot more chemistry start to unravel between those two and start seeing a, lot, a couple more points. Uh, they failed to break 100 in this game, but they did get the win. 
And then today, the only game that happened today so far was the Miami Heat against the Milwaukee Bucks. But the Heat took care of business in overtime at Milwaukee, taking down Giannis at the Dacumbo and company despite Giannis's 29 points and 18 rebounds. Miami Heat was able to get the win in that game tonight. We got a lot more games to um, go tonight, but unfortunately we won't be able to talk about them because they're currently going on. But a lot of couple or a lot of key games uh, to watch tonight. But I got my eyes set on the World Series tonight. Uh, that's going to wrap up the NBA for right now. Uh, we're going to take a quick break again and come back and start talking about some of the key games we saw today in college football. And we'll be right back. All right, and we are back now talking about some college football. And to get things started, we're going to talk about the hometown Elon Phoenix getting the dub today, 38-13 to against Rhode Island. They now break even on the year at 4-4, four and four, and they had a dominant game today, and that was absolutely fun to watch the stats unfold in that game today uh, up in Rhode Island. But the Elon Phoenix were able to get it done. And then big games in um, the rest of the college football world. We had a lot of upset alerts today. Uh, number five, Oklahoma, was defeated by unranked Kansas State, 48-41. to Kansas State was able to hold back Jalen Hurts' four touchdowns. And for Oklahoma, this game hurts. Um, another big game, or another big upset we saw was number 15, Texas, being taken down by TCU, a rival team, 37-27. to And the big news out of that game was freshman QB Max Dugan for TCU recording 345 yards and three touchdowns. Pretty impressive for a freshman quarterback going in and taking down the number 15 team in the nation. Uh, another big game we saw was number three, Ohio State, getting a statement win over number 13, Wisconsin. Uh, they ended up winning 38-7. to Justin Fields recorded three total touchdowns in that game. But running back um, J.K. Dobbins scored two touchdowns on the ground. I think the biggest news was how they were able to contain um, Heisman favorite, uh, or well, a top three Heisman favorite, Jonathan Taylor, the running back for Wisconsin. They held him to 2.6 yards per carry, and obviously a huge reason that they won this game today. Uh, number 21 ranked App State stays undefeated against South Alabama. They're now making their case up in the mountains to be a ranked a little bit higher now, staying undefeated. At State quietly but loudly making a lot of noise so far this year. And then um, a game that wrapped up a couple of minutes ago, about an hour ago now, LSU improves to 8-0 after hand, or holding off a late push from Bo Nix and Auburn, but running back Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had 187 total yards and then a third-quarter touchdown, and they held off that last-minute push by Auburn and were able to improve to 8-0. So another big game by LSU. And then another game that we have our eyes um, set on today is the Michigan game. Um, I think they're going up against Notre Dame. That's going to be a big game for Michigan. Um, well, let's look at it real quick. Yeah, uh, that's going to be a big game for Michigan to see if they can hold off um, number eight Notre Dame. And this is a big game for um, Harbaugh here, um, a guy who I think has won one game in his career, not that good against uh, top 10 teams. 
So if they can get a win here, that's going to be a big statement and upset for Michigan and something Harbaugh will really need this year if he wants to keep his job in Michigan. Uh, that wraps up pretty much today's games in college football and some of the big news and headlines. Uh, another headline I guess we would have is Lincoln Riley saying that Oklahoma will not be a stepping stone uh, to get him an NFL job. Something I don't really agree with. I'd love to see Lincoln Riley bring his um, offensive-minded genius into the NFL, but it looks like he has his sights set in Oklahoma for the time being. So we're now going to switch over and talk about the NFL and like always, begin with some of the biggest news, uh, trades, and injuries that we see in the last week. Uh, I think the biggest news coming out of this week for the NFL is Tom Brady and his future with the New England Patriots. Adam Schefter um, publicly discussed his top three options of staying with New England, retiring, or going to another team. And in Adam Schefter's opinion, staying in New England is the least likely option for Tom Brady. He's already sold his house, his agent sold his house um, uh, in Boston or in the New England area. So it's not looking good right now for New England and Tom Brady. Uh, we don't really know what their future is going to look like. I don't think they have their quarterback right now to go um, into the future without Brady. They might need another year with Tom Brady until they can find their guy that they want going forward. But that's obviously huge breaking news coming in from Adam Schefter. Uh, this week featured a lot of trades, of course, with the trade deadline coming up on October 29th. Again, we talked about last week Jalen Ramsey going over to the Los Angeles Rams. But this week had a, a lot of trades as well, starting off with Texans acquired former first-round pick Jerion Conley from the Oakland Raiders in exchange for a third-round pick. Uh, that is a huge boost to their secondary and hopefully a huge boost for Jerion Conley, who's been pretty much of a bust so far. So maybe a change of scenery will be exactly what he needs. Uh, the New England Patriots landed Mohamed Sanu from the Falcons for a second-round pick. This is a huge pick, um, a pickup for the New England Patriots. Uh, they had to put Josh Gordon on the, um, on the IR list, ending his season, so, and already got rid of Antonio Brown at the beginning of the year. So they had a huge hole at wide receiver and Mohamed Sanu will fill that immediately. Um, and uh, the as for the Falcons, look for Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, the second-year receiver, to, get it, to start getting a lot more targets in that offense. Uh, the Denver Broncos were able to trade away Emmanuel Sanders to the San Francisco 49ers for a third and fourth round pick. Uh, again, another big, uh, well, not another, but again, a big pickup for San Francisco at receiver. Another team that he had a huge hole at receiver, getting it filled. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks were able to steal, I think steal, Quandre Diggs from the Detroit Lions for only a fifth-round pick. Quandre Diggs will immediately, I think, start at safety for the Seahawks and immediately boost um, their secondary. And a lot of Lions players and fans are unhappy about this trade, especially cornerback um, Darius Slay. Uh, one of their premier guys for the Lions. But Quandre Diggs is able to go now and help boost the Seattle Seahawks secondary. Another trade that we saw yesterday, the New England Patriots again, this time sending Michael Bennett to the Cowboys for a seventh-round pick. Uh, Michael Bennett wasn't happy with his situation in the pa with the Patriots, and he now goes over to the Cowboys, who are now loaded at defensive end. 
and have a pretty scary uh, rotation at that position. And then multiple teams um, are interested in A.J. Green, Kenyon Drake, and Robbie Anderson, who has been recently added to the trade block. So we're going to see if any of those trades go forward in the next couple of weeks, something to really keep our eye on. And I hope my Green Bay Packers are able to land A.J. Green. That's something I would love to see happen. But we're just going to see how it plays out going forward. Uh, now to talk about some injuries. Uh, Patrick Mahomes has been ruled out against the Green Bay Packers on Sunday night this week after um, injuring his knee and kneecap last week against the Broncos. He has been ruled out. And then Matt Ryan um, is also ruled out against the Seahawks. Matt Schaub will be starting in his place. And then Carryon Johnson and, like we said, Josh Gordon being placed on IR, ending both of their seasons is big for both those teams. Um, that's it for injuries. Now let's go ahead and do some Week 7 recap uh, for some of the NFL games. Uh, starting off, um, we're going to begin with the Thursday night football game that featured the Kansas City Chiefs dominating the Denver Broncos 30-6. to They did lose Patrick Mahomes in this game, but it was a statement win for the Chiefs showing what they can do without Mahomes. Their defense was especially terrific, recording nine sacks against Joe Flacco, who was beat up the entire night. And Denver Bronco fans, we just got to hold out until Drew Locke can come back from the IR and hopefully uh, be the future for this team because Drew Flacco has not been impressing so far. And then Sunday's last Sunday's games in Week 7, just some highlights from that uh, some of those games. Uh, to start out with, Aaron Rodgers now entering the MVP conversation after his six-touchdown, 429-yard performance against the Oakland Raiders, absolutely shredding them. Um, five touchdowns to the air, one touchdown rush, rushing. Aaron Rodgers now clicking with Matt LaFleur's offensive scheme, and that's another scary sight to see uh, going in closer to Halloween is Aaron Rodgers in this offense now clicking, especially without wide receiver Devontae Adams. Another big win was the Indianapolis Colts getting a huge division win over the Houston Texans, 30-23. to uh, Jacoby Brissett had another week to shine um, as the quarterback for the Colts. And they are now first place in their division, beating the Houston Texans. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers stayed undefeated in a sloppy rain game against the Washington Redskins, 9-0. Not a very good game um, on the paper, but the San Francisco defense had a lot of fun sliding around just up and down the field through the mud and the rain. And then Ryan Tannehill in his first start for Tennessee, he stepped up. Uh, leading a win against the Chargers, 23-20. to um, Ryan Tannehill obviously proving he's the better quarterback there over Marcus Mariota, already through one week, and we'll see if that luck can improve this week. Uh, Mr. Trubisky is holding back, I think, the Chicago defense. Uh, they ended up losing against the Saints, and that's just not a good situation to have for Mr. Trubisky going into this year. Um Chicago was heavy favorites in the north, but obviously Mitch Trubisky, we thought when he got injured and came back, maybe maybe he would be able to uh, provide a spark in this offense, but that is not the case. He is holding this team back, and they might need to go back to Chase Daniels. 
Another big game was Baltimore storming in the CenturyLink field and getting a statement win over the Seattle Seahawks. And then the big news from that game is a new stat I like called the double-triple, uh, something that was discussed here at Elon on one-on-one sports. But the double-triple is when you have um, triple digits in two categories, and Lamar Jackson did just that. 100 yards in the air and 100 yards rushing. So a big game for Lamar Jackson uh, beating the Seattle Seahawks. And then the last game from uh, Week 7 in the NFL had the New England Patriots facing off against the New York Jets. They got the win 33-0. to And the New England Patriots defense continues to show that they are the number one defense in the NFL this year and maybe in the last decade, maybe even more. But their defense has been absolutely historic so far this year. Um, During that game, uh, quarterback Sam Darnold for the Jets had 86 yards passing total and four interceptions, one fumble. Not a good game for Sam Darnold at all. After the week before knocking off the Dallas Cowboys at home, we thought we'd see a lot more from Sam Darnold but Sam Darnold definitely saw a lot more, stating that he was seeing ghosts on the field, um, further showing the upcoming Halloween uh, we have this year. But that is a pretty random quote from Sam Darnold being mic'd up on the sidelines, something that he's obviously mad about and the rest of the Jets organization. Uh, having that quote broadcasted live on national TV, pretty interesting. But I think my favorite part of this game has to be Bill Belichick showing his... Um, genius on the football field. Um, He found another loophole in the NFL rulebook late in the game, um, killing time. He purposely made his offense and punt team take a delay of game call, which Adam Gase, of course, declined. And then the the clock kept running, sorry. And then a false start penalty, um, which Adam Gase again declined. And then the clock kept running again. All in all, without even running a play, they were able to shred off one minute and 30 seconds off the clock. Um, Just pure pure genius by Bill Belichick. And he's further showing that he's one of the greatest minds to ever uh, step foot on an NFL sideline. Uh, Before we um, move on into some Week 8 matchups, we're going to take a quick break here. And then we'll come back and continue talking about the NFL but we'll be right back. All right, and welcome back to the Slaw Sports Show. I'm your host, Cole Noble, a.k.a. Slaw. Continuing now with the NFL, we're now going to begin with um, week eight of the NFL season now starting this week. And it actually kicked off on Thursday Night Football featuring the Minnesota Vikings taking on the Washington Redskins. This is a game where Kirk Cousins and Dalvin Cook continue to stay hot while Dwayne Haskins, who came in the third quarter, continues to disappoint. Um, the Minnesota Vikings ended up getting the win 19-9, to but Haskins really has to get it together, being a first-round pick, and obviously the guy that Washington wants going forward for their organization with Case Keenum now out with a concussion. Dwayne Haskins needs to show some signs of improvement if he doesn't want to be listed as a bust for this draft. And then coming up tomorrow on Sunday, some Week 8 matchups that I really love to see, um, that I'll really love to see, I uh, meant to say, tomorrow. 
Starting out, we've got the New Orleans Saints taking on the Arizona Cardinals, and this will be the return of Drew Brees. Yes, he is active for the Saints this week. Um, so big news coming out of there today. Um, we'll see what Drew Brees can do. Um, I think Alvin Kamara is still listed as questionable, and tight end Jerry Cook is out. But this is a huge game for Michael Thomas now, having um, his quarterback back in the lineup. And we'll see um, just how bad Drew Brees is going to demolish the Arizona Cardinals this week and his return in the lineup. Uh, Ryan Tannehill for the Tennessee Titans will con- uh, look to continue his success against a very weak Tampa Bay secondary. But at the same time, we might see a turnaround game for uh, Jameis Winston in this, um, in this one. Um, Jameis Winston really needs to get back on pace this year. Um, I think battling for his job uh, right now and his future going forward for Tampa Bay. But um, my, my eyes are mostly going to be looking at Ryan Tannehill and seeing if he can continue his success for Tennessee. Another game to keep your eye on is the 5-1 and one Buffalo Bills going up against the Philadelphia Eagles. This is a game where uh, Buffalo can finally prove they're for real and that people need to start taking notice um, and watching out for them in the NFL and especially the NFC East. They're easily a team perfectly in place right now to squeak into the playoffs and might actually make some noise with Josh Allen back healthy. If they can get this win over Philadelphia, that's going to be huge for Buffalo. Another game is the L.A. Chargers going up against the Chicago Bears. Both teams are looking to get back on track this season. Um, The Chicago uh, Bears, like we said, have been pretty bad uh, since Mitch Trubisky's been been back, but he did hold a players-only meeting to discuss the team's future going forward and hopefully owning up to some of the struggles they've had the past couple of weeks and throughout the season. And then the Chicago, or um, Los Angeles Chargers, sorry, uh, obviously since getting Melvin Gordon back, they haven't been as productive as they were at the beginning of the year and definitely not as productive at t- as people, including me, uh, predicted they would this season. But this is a game where both teams need to look to get back on track, and we'll see who, ne- who ends up coming out on top of that one. Another game is undefeated Kyle Allen for the Carolina Panthers leading the 4-2 Panthers into the Bay Area, going against the undefeated San Francisco 49ers. And while this is a huge game for Kyle Allen to see if he can continue to show uh, or continue to stay undefeated, and especially for the 49ers continuing to prove that they're legit being undefeated. But I think this game is critically important for Cam Newton. Um, obviously, he's out, and but he will be traveling with the team sitting on the sidelines. If Kyle Allen can get this team to win against the undefeated 49ers, I think you don't put Cam Newton back in the lineup. You keep the train rolling. This offense is a totally different offense with Cam Newton out of the lineup um, and way better with him out and with Kyle Allen in. Christian McCaffrey is 10 times better without Cam Newton, and Cam Newton can't make the deep throws downfield that Kyle Allen can. So if Kyle Allen gets this win, um, against San Francisco, I think Ron Rivera has no choice but to continue with Kyle Allen until he shows signs of regression. Um, you just you don't ruin the chemistry that's building with that team right now in Carolina. Another good um, game coming up is the Cleveland Browns um, attempting to make a statement, I would say, against the 7-0 New England Patriots. 
There's been a lot of noise and a lot of talk. Uh, wide receiver Jarvis Landry pretty much guaranteeing a win against the undefeated Patriots. That I don't really see. Um, I think he's just making noise, and I think he just needs to keep his mouth shut and play some football, if I want to be honest with you. Because um, the Cleveland Browns, um, they've been making me mad. This is, <laughs> this is a team that I saw winning the North. I had said at the beginning of the offseason, Baker Mayfield will be a top three MVP favorite, and they have been nothing short of letting me down this year. And I, th- I think that they need to shut their mouths, play some football, and they're already talking again this week going against an undefeated team that I would not want to say anything against um, in the New England Patriots, one of the scariest teams in football in the past decade. Why would you go um, into the beginning of the week saying you're going to guarantee a win against this team? That's just foolishness. Um, But we'll see what happens. Um, uh, Another game, we got Sunday Night Football featuring a red-hot Aaron Rodgers facing off against a Mahomeless uh, Patrick Mahomes-less Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead. Um, this is a game I had circled on my calendar. Uh, I would say at the beginning of the year when they released the schedule because I wanted to see Mahomes against Aaron Rodgers. That would have been the most um, highly anticipated games in uh, I think the last uh, while. Um, I would say definitely a game I would love to see would be Mahomes versus Rodgers, but unfortunately with Mahomes' injury last week, that won't be the case. Um, so maybe Rodgers will can, or maybe Rodgers will stay red hot this week. But he is, um, uh, he, well, he's not officially without Devonte Adams. He's still listed as doubtful, but it's not looking likely that Devonte Adams will make his return this week. So we'll see what Rodgers can cook up without his star wide receiver, and also see what head coach Andy Reid can cook up without Patrick Mahomes in the lineup and see if the Chiefs can get it done tomorrow night in Arrowhead. And then wrapping up week eight on Monday night, we got the Miami Dolphins facing off against the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is a game where Mason Rudolph will make his return as the starting quarterback for Pittsburgh, but um, the Miami Dolphins will also be looking to make um, their first win of the season. Highly unlikely, the Fish love the tank, and especially for Tua Tagovailoa. Or what Vegas thinks, Joe Burrow, uh, the new favorite for the number one pick. But whatever's the case, the Fish, a.k.a. the Dolphins, uh, will love to tank. But we may see them get their first win. Maybe not on Monday Night Football with Mason Rudolph back. Definitely a game to keep your eye on on Monday. Uh, that's going to do it for Week 8 review or preview, I would say, for the NFL. And now we're going to go over to Slaw Selections. And a new thing we're starting, we did a, uh, one last time we were on the show, a couple, uh, I guess a couple of weeks back, where we had our MVP picks. But today, I'm going to talk about my Coach of the Year picks. And I'm only going to give my top three and my reasoning why. Um, but this is going to be the slaw selections for the week. Starting out at number three ranking for Coach of the Year, I have Matt LaFleur of the Green Bay Packers. Um, the rookie head coach leading a, te- a young, hungry team, uh, to 6-1, and one, and a lot of talk in the offseason of how will this chemistry between Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur work. It's working perfectly. Um, there were a couple of ups and downs at the beginning of the year, but that's uh, common with new head coaches. But after last week, the this absolute destruction Aaron Rodgers had on the Oakland Raiders, I think this offense is finally clicking, and Green Bay will continue to roll 
throughout the rest of the season. But I only have Matt LaFleur ranked at three right now for Coach of the Year. At number two, I have Sean Payton of the New Orleans Saints. And people are probably wondering why Sean Payton's only at two. Some people are saying Sean Payton is already the Coach of the Year. Um, the Saints are sitting at 6-1, and one, and then they went uh, five weeks without Drew Brees, but won all five of those games with backup QB Teddy Bridgewater. So that is a huge reason. Uh, Alvin Kamara's been in and out for the Saints, but Sean Payton continues to dial up games and continues to get uh, victories for the Saints. But I only have met two because my number one right now, Coach of the Year favorite, is Frank Wright of the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, the Colts were in absolute dumpster fire, absolutely in panic mode at, during the offseason, um, actually right at the start of the season, when Andrew Luck suddenly decided to retire right before the season. Um, a lot of I um, had the Colts going pretty deep in the playoffs this year. Uh, I think I had them winning the division, which right now they are winning it. Um, but when Andrew Luck suddenly retired, I started second-guessing it, and I was like, uh, maybe I made a, a wrong pick here, and my predictions were a little off. But Frank Wright led this team up out of the ashes, like the Elon Phoenix here love to say, and a huge reason um, why Indianapolis is doing so good. Um, some people say it wouldn't be the play of Jacoby Brissett, but I think the coaching of Frank Wright, uh, being able to bring this team together and the mess that transpired with Andrew Luck retiring, and is able to bring them up now at 4-2, and two, leading their division. That's just remarkable from a head coach to see, something I haven't seen in a long time. So right now, Frank, uh, Frank Wright is my coach of the year in the NFL. And those three picks, or those three rankings I have for coach of the year are this week's Saw Selections. And with that, that's going to pretty much wrap up uh, this week's episode of the Slaw Sports Show. So thank you all for listening. Um, tune in next week, uh, Saturday from 8 o'clock to 9. But thank you for listening to today's episode. If you get a chance and didn't uh, hear all of today's episode, it will be posted along with all of our other episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Anchor.fm at The Slaw Sports Show. So check them out if you have time. But with that, that's going to do it with, for today's episode. So thank you again. Have a great rest of your weekend and a great week going forward, and I will see you guys next Saturday. Peace.